Netflix's Marvel shows join the MCU canon. Top Gun 3 will take flight. A new Star Trek movie is headed to production. And James Gunn, as always, didn't let us down this week. All that and more coming up on this week's Multiverse News. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Multiverse News, your source for information about all your favorite fictional universes. My name is Matthew Carroll, and um, it's going to be quite an interesting evening here on Multiverse News. On the panel tonight, we have Jay Scotty St. Clair. What's going on, Jay Scotty? Oh, you know, I'm just uh, sitting here on the edge of my seat waiting with bated breath. This is going to be an epic episode for us all. Mm, mm, For us all. Yes. (laughs) Yes, for us all. And Haley Hobbs. How's it going, Haley? I'm glad it's going to be more epic for you than it is for me. (laughs) It's a great struggle. It's going to be a great struggle. And Jay Sisson, how's it going? Yeah, it's going to be a show to remember. One in the mythos of multiverse news. This will be right up at the top. This is part of the lore that you're watching right now. (laughs) Yep, that's right. Uh, If you don't know what we're talking about, I forgot to mention in the intro, but we are... uh, I lost a bet to Jay Sisson, who initially bet me that uh, Aquaman would make less money than Blue Beetle. Then later amended it, but I, I stood firm and said, okay. So he amended it to $40 million on opening weekend. Well, right, it also, it went to a four-day weekend over Christmas. You know, there were some logistics that had to be worked out. Mm. Blue All Beetle was like a three-day, you know, it was, a, it was a whole thing. Okay, okay. Wait, I didn't even realize you got a four-day weekend. I oh, should have yeah. really paid more attention. Four-day weekend to get to 40. Couldn't even do it. Wait, was that with a Thursday or with a Monday? Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah, Thursday night previews are always included. <sighs> well, these I guess days. Friday. Yeah, too. I didn't know we counted a Monday. Now I feel like this is all. This is a whole nother. Oh, you can't a whole back nother, out now. No, it helped. It <laughs> oh, helped you. It. it gave you more time to get to forty. <laughs> oh, you're right. Never mind. I was thinking it was the other way around. Anyway, so he won. He won the bet. Uh, it's fair and square. I, I agreed to the forty. Uh, it made less than four. Made less than $40 million. so I'm going to eat a Carolina Reaper tonight on the stream and on the video podcast, and uh, we're going to save it for the lightning round because it seems most appropriate, uh, me trying to quickly say all those stories while my mouth is burning. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a lot of fun. So, we're going to get through tonight's main stories, and then Carolina Reaper time. Who's excited? Whoo! Everybody. <laughs> We're all excited. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> like we're all excited, but we're like not that kind of show. Like we're not like a woo do stupid human tricks kind of show. So it's kind of it's going to be an interesting uh, juxtaposition tonight. If the people respond, if the downloads go up, we might we might be that. You do not speak for all of us, Jay. <laughs> About to shift gears, <laughs> just devolve into jackass. What do the people want? Vote with your ears, everybody. Make sure to listen. Make sure your friends listen, and uh, and then maybe we'll maybe we'll be eating more. It'll turn into Fear Factor slash news. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move to our first story. Daredevil is not the only Netflix series confirmed now as MCU canon. The entire Defender saga can be seen within the MCU timeline on Disney Plus. This is a big deal for fans of the Netflix show who have called for them to be canonized for years. The Defender's shows fit into the timeline starting with Daredevil after I Am Groot and ending with The Punisher just before Doctor Strange. Uh, There's also a rumor Deborah Ann Wall and Eldon Hansen are set to return as Karen Page and Foggy Nelson in Daredevil Born Again. Hopefully, it's only a matter of time before we see Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and the crew back in canon, right? 
fingers crossed. I would absolutely love if we had Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and you know other members of the Defenders, namely Punisher. It would be nice to see all of them return. And you know, I'm I'm not one to you know um, you know take away from anybody's you know celebration or or moment of victory here. But I do appreciate the timeliness of this announcement, especially after the conversation we had um, last week after we saw the trailer for Echo and we were talking about okay, we see archival foot- footage of Wilson Fisk here. That means or you know, some people were led to believe that means the events of Daredevil were canon. And, you know, we were still a little bit dubious about that. And truth be told, I'm still a little bit dubious. I don't know how official um, the Disney plus MCU timeline is for me personally. Uh, But that being said, I, I still have an open mind and this all really bodes well for, you know, connectivity and a lot of homage and uh, more characters to return from those Netflix uh, series. Uh, namely, you know, we've got the rumor about Deborah Ann Wall and uh, Eldon Henson returning as uh, Karen Page and Foggy Nelson. Like, we we talked about it when Daredevil Born Again, like when they stopped production on that and, and realized that they need to rework things. One of the rumors we heard was that those characters were kind of killed off and they weren't present at all. So uh, it... it it makes a lot of sense to bring them back. It's not a hundred percent confirmed, but I think Marvel is in retrospect, realizing the value of the Netflix property. So again, I think Jay, you said last week, like don't be beholden. Don't think every single plot point from these Netflix series is going to come along, come over, but certainly a, a lot of the things that worked and a lot of the things that resonated with audience, we can probably expect those to make the transition, but again, not necessarily all of them. Yeah, and I think that's what you have to keep in mind here with this is that it's really low risk when you think about it for Marvel to just say that these are canon, to put them up against the rest of the Marvel movies, and then put the characters into that universe. Because if they want to continue those characters in the future, they can. They can go through and pick and choose like what they're doing with Daredevil, with Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio, and now other characters making that port over. But if they don't want to bring a certain character over, or if the person playing that character doesn't necessarily want to do it they just don't have to right so like are they going to really reboot luke cage like probably not right it's already Mm -hmm. been established it's already had multiple seasons there's already a person that plays that character that is probably willing to play that character again so it's really low risk to just say this is in canon whatever that means and if they want to bring that person into the fold they can and if they don't they just never have to speak about it again and i think that's what's going to be the case with daredevil born again i think using that term soft reboot is the best way to to categorize it it's probably not going to feel dead on exactly like everything matches up everybody's got to play the same people everything's got to be step for step with the netflix shows i mean cuz we're still calling them the netflix shows like they still have that that root back there but I think yeah you just pick and choose and take the things that you want to keep and build the story that you want to build with the pieces already on the board and if you don't like a piece already on the board you just ignore it and pretend it never happened <laughs> and if it con- if it conflicts then you just move on it's like a recast you just pretend like it never happened and move on so um, yeah don't don't uh, don't get too too like red string about the canon it's just going to make your it's going to make your head hurt just focus on the good which is that there's legitimacy to these shows being in the universe that you love and a lot of these people some of them will probably appear again and just be happy with that it's good news shut your mouth jason (laughs) (laughs) if if they're gonna say it's canon if they're gonna go all in and just give us put it on the timeline respect the canon i completely disagree with you i understand that like for the fun of it and to have fun we got maybe we need to be if they're gonna change things we got to be a little loose if we want to enjoy it but like i really hate it when they make these kinds of claims oh it's canon and then they ignore the canon because then it's just using my fandom to suck me in but not respecting my fandom and i think it's a uh crappy move i think it's very uh rude and like I feel used as a fan. I don't I don't feel happy about it. I think if they make a good show, I'll be happy regardless. And I don't think them as as Jay Scotty said, I don't think them putting it on the timeline means that they have to say it's canon. Like they could later say, Oh yeah, those are shows are like a slightly different universe. I'm okay with that. But like if they're gonna say it's canon, just say it's canon. I, I just I don't like the whole like straddling the line where it's canon, but we we changed this origin and we changed this character. I don't mind recasts, you know, some small changes I expect, but like and some different tonal things to happen, especially since they filmed the show and then they've completely rewriting it. 
they they had already filmed some of it, and now they're completely right. rewriting it. It's going to have some differences. Um, so I'm okay with that. I just don't like the whole. I don't. I hate the word soft reboot because I'm like <laughs> just reboot or respect the canon. Those are the options. Anything in the middle is really shitty, in my opinion. <laughs> I do wonder what the point is of bringing them into the MCU timeline when you could just recast, not recast the actors, cast the same actors in the new MCU stuff like they started to do with uh, Charlie Cox as Daredevil. I know it doesn't really bother me one way or the other at this point. I can kind of, like you said, Matt, ignore them and kind of pretend that they are in their own space just like i do when i watch agents of shield um Mm -hmm. but they clearly wanted to capitalize on the popularity of the actors and those characters but why not just continue to use them i don't i don't know seems like the marvel spotlight effect right i mean they opened they opened that conversation with the marvel spotlight and echo is under marvel studios and it's mcu but it's marvel spotlight which is kind of a different thing but it's not but it is you know it's like kind of that weird middle ground and it seems like other series are going to be in that too that there's going to be some series that are going to get the marvel studios banner and there's going to be some series that get the spotlight banner and we're just going to have to figure out what all that means i guess (laughs) because no one's just going to tell us straight up yeah yeah, I'm I'm hoping that all the spotlight banner means is smaller stories yeah. that are less essential. That doesn't mean they're not canon. That doesn't mean they don't respect the canon that has come before. It just means there's smaller stories that are you don't they're not required watching. I mean I think when um Kevin Feige came out a couple years ago and said, No, you have to watch all the Disney Plus shows to understand all the movies. Unfortunately, a lot of the casual fans like fell off of Marvel because they're like, there's just too much to follow. And I think they're going back to a time where they could make four movies a year that are very connected. And then they could have these shows on, uh, on, on TV that like the diehards are following every week and watching and like lapping up. Um, I just hope they do a little better job. I don't really want like a, I I want what they did seven years ago, but I want them to not abandon it at some point. That's what makes it, it makes me mad that they abandoned a, of Agents of Shield. I'm still upset about it. Um, I I like Agents of Shield a lot, and I don't like that they were like watch this show for seven years and then just kind of find out that it fizzles out of canon at the end. Like it's it, it's a bummer. So keep them in canon, in my opinion. And like you, there's easy ways to do that and just avoid talking about what's going on in the bigger story. You know, avoid talking about exactly when things happen. That way. It's kind of fuzzy, you know. Anyway, up next, one of my favorite fictional universes. Trekkies will soon see their favorite franchise back on the big screen with director Toby Haynes on the bridge. Haynes recently directed several episodes of the Star Wars hit show Andor with Seth Graham Smith writing and J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot producing. It has been... Eight years since the last Star Trek movie, though this one is to take place decades before the 2009 Star Trek movie plot, Paramount has had recent success with Star Trek in television, streaming Strange New Worlds, Lower Decks, Picard, and Discovery. Though this prequel may not show the Chris Pine-led cast we are used to seeing, there are still plans to have a final movie with that crew in the future. We've had to live long and prosper for nearly a decade without a Star Trek film, so what's the excitement level now? And I guess I'll take this one because, you know, (laughs) Star Trek, and I understand that it's my thing. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, I think that the Andor tone on top of a Star Trek series would be a really, really good fit. And so I, I'm excited to see uh, what what they could bring to this world. And the fact that they're setting it at a different place in the canon that isn't exactly well explored um, is also exciting to me. So, uh, yeah, I dig it. I dig it. Um, but uh, I, I feel, and I've been feeling this way with a lot of the canons, there's so much... Star Wars, there's so much Marvel, there's so much DC, there's so much Star Trek that I'm a little overwhelmed with Star Trek right now. It's been coming out almost every week, kind of like Marvel for the last couple years. And so uh, sometimes it's, I would be more excited for the fact that there's a, a new movie after almost a decade gone if there hadn't been so much on TV lately. And so it's really, really, really good. Strange New Worlds is my favorite Star Trek show this year. And as I mentioned on our last episode last year, um, 
But, uh, and I, I am pumped for a new movie. Going to the big screen is always cool. I just hope they do something interesting with it. I think the, the Chris Pine led stuff is good, but it's not great. Like it, it doesn't do something new and it doesn't push the franchise forward. And Star Trek's supposed to be all about the future and all about asking moral questions. And that was sort of, uh, it was JJ Abramsified, which I like, but it's not my favorite stuff like other Star Trek is. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for a new take on it. I'm excited for another director and another uh, team at the helm of this this new movie. The story made me feel really old hearing that it's been like eight <laughs> years since Star Trek Beyond. Like, how dare you? How right? dare you make me feel that right? Old? Sorry, but, Scotty. <laughs> no, no, it's a <laughs> time comes for us all, Scotty. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I liked what I heard here as well. I'm not super familiar with Toby Haynes. It sounds like he kind of cut his teeth on Andor, but my takeaway is like we've seen creators make the transition from Star Wars uh, or from Star Trek to Star Wars. Like JJ was on record saying like, yeah, I made a Star Trek movie, but my, my dream was always to make a Star Wars movie. So mm -hmm. I have to imagine with Toby Haynes, like working on Andor, which was like critically one of the best, you know, TV series of recent years, like genre or not, it was just really, really mm -hmm. well received. And the writing was, uh, you know, one of the standouts there. So for him to have be on this like uptick, um, career trajectory wise and for him to make the transition from star Wars to star Trek and bring those sensibilities from, you know, and, or I think that makes a lot of sense because as much as I like those JJ movies, I think part of the reason we haven't seen one in so long is because they do have big budgets and I'm not the biggest star Trek fan, but my understanding is, is that that's where it's successful is those smaller stories, those moral dilemmas, those, you know, discussions about ethics and stuff like that. And, and you can do that with a smaller budget. So um, if they learn their lessons from Andor and, and, and tell a smaller, slower, more character-based story, I think it will, it will benefit everyone. Yeah, Toby Haynes directed my favorite episode of Andor, which was the one titled One Way Out. It was the one where they were uh, in prison mm. and Andy Serkis was featured in it. And they were, Great it was that episode. Mm -hmm. He directed that episode. Nice. So I think that's got to give you a lot of hope. I felt like that episode was very, very well done. It feels like a really good Star Trek episode, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can feel that that sort of a story has been told on Star Trek many times. Like, land on a planet, end up in a penal colony, and have to, like, figure out how to get out of it. Like, that's that feels that feels like a Star Trek episode, and that excites me. Like, yeah. I, I just want Star Trek to feel like Star Trek again. And I think Strange New Worlds is finally capturing that. Um, I've, I've liked everything they've done, but nothing has felt like Star Trek in the way that Strange New Worlds has. And so I'm excited to see if they can capture that in the movies again, because it's been a long time since the movies felt like Star Trek to me. Mm. <laughs> okay, up next, we keep talking about Tom Cruise, and now an even bigger announcement. A Top Gun 3 movie is officially in development to bring back that loving feeling. Top Gun Maverick writer Ethan Kruger is already writing for the new installment, and sources report Director Joe Kaczynski will also be back to pilot the film. The news comes to us shortly after the partnership announced with Cruise and Warner Brothers Discovery. Top Gun Maverick raked in an astounding $1.5 billion in 2022, and Cruise looks like he's willing to continue the legacy with a third film. Who's excited to strap back in for an exciting dogfight? I am, because I loved Top Gun Maverick so much, and so did a lot of people around the world, clearly. And I, I don't blame Tom Cruise for wanting to go back to that well and, you know, put his, his flight suit back on and, and get back into the, the helm with it. But I wonder if he'll do something similar where it's like, we're moving on from the story of Top Gun Maverick and it's going to be set in the same world but just a different cast of characters again like I wouldn't hate that I kind of love that we're getting new people um like well there's only been two movies but it'd be cool if we got more new people in the third film I don't want a continuation of the storyline in Top Gun Maverick because these aren't the kinds of movies that lend themselves to that so hopefully he's not trying to make a verse out of it <laughs> but I think um <laughs> It was like one of my favorite movies of 2022, and I know that he didn't initially get all the box office reaction he wanted, and I think it was just still the theaters were recovering from COVID and stuff like that. So when this comes out, it'll be really interesting to see if it super explodes because we're more in a climate of the world where people are willing to go to the movie theaters or if it's going to kind of do the same thing and slowly rake in that $1.5 
Hear me out. (laughs) (laughs) Plot for Top Gun 3. There's there's some sort of catastrophe, and he needs to reach out to his long-lost twin brother, uh, Ethan Hunt. I would so be here for it. <laughs> and oh, the Bingers Assemble episodes we'll have. <laughs> That's like the end of Split or whatever, where it connected to, mm. it's like, oh, it, yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. It makes way too much sense to make this movie. I mean, it made over a billion dollars. It's got the fan base there. People loved it. And the U.S. military, I think this is so fascinating that the U.S. military loves top gun because they can use it as a recruiting tool and mm-hmm. so they just let them have whatever they want they're like you want a fighter jet you want to be on an aircraft carrier you want like bigger the better like they just let them have all the equipment that they could possibly want to make these movies so just from like a budget standpoint and then the profit that you're going to make from the movie it's just like why wouldn't you it's mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's the one of the most least surprising things i've ever seen that you would make a third top gun after what the second one did that's a huge benefit to like saving the cost on special effects and stuff. If you can just do all the things and you're provided all the resources, it's crazy. The timing of this announcement is also not lost on me as like Tom Cruise is currently courting Warner Brothers and the, you know, Warner Brothers Discovery Paramount mergers, you know, being discussed and potentially on the horizon there. This seems like, you know, potentially an effort to maybe sweeten the deal on, on Warner Brothers mm. side. Or I, I, yeah, I don't know. I have to think about that a little bit more before I can get into the nitty gritty about who that benefits the most. But I'm just thinking about Tom Cruise and, you know, um, like he's got Dead Reckoning Part 2, which is going to be titled something different, but that's currently filming. Now he's got this underway. Like, how is he going to have time in his schedule to make apparently all these original movies that he's going to do for Warner Brothers? Makes me wonder. But uh, well, yeah, thinking see, about Scotty, he's a robot, so <laughs> he can do that. That's true. That's true. I should never underestimate him. You're 100% right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so thinking about Top Gun Maverick, the original, you know, Top Gun is an iconic film, like obviously so emblematic of the 80s. Uh, I love it. But that being said, I can acknowledge its shortcomings in terms of like plot. It was very much more of a vibe than it was like a story. And then Top Gun Maverick <laughs> was able to like really like, you know, tap into the nostalgia, but also deliver on that character front. So I thought it, you know exceeded the original in that regard so thinking about the sequel to maverick i wonder like like you guys i I think about plots and stuff like that and like what is the title going to be maverick was so good like are they going to go with something generic like legacy or or what and i thought about international i rolled my eyes at first because i thought about men in black international but then when i thought about it more i was like ooh, i actually like top gun international because if we bring in like other air forces and like Mm. top gun has always been about being the best of the best in our country but what if we open that up to you know other countries that could be a pretty cool uh, way to take it and from what i understand uh the only cast members we know that are returning are glenn powell and Miles Teller, which is uh, really great for me. I love both of those guys, Glenn Powell especially. I want to see him get more and more work and more opportunities. So, yeah, this is uh, this sounds good. Yeah, it's a good point, Scotty, because I think that's why the movie works on a global level outside of the United States. Mm. Is because if you look at them, they don't really ruffle any feathers. There's no political statements in Top Gun. There's yeah. no like, and even the bad guys are never an enemy nation named by name. They're always just like guys wearing black that are the bad guys. So they're not like fighting <laughs> Russia or like, yeah, you know, exactly. like they're not fighting exactly. another country. So they never make waves. It's just, yeah. you can just go see it no matter where you are in the world. Oh, that's the bad guy. He's wearing black and we're the good guys like explosions, planes, let's do this, you know, like, so mm-hmm. it just, it has a global appeal it's not just a united states appeal right absolutely and i wonder if like i wonder if they would do something like that where you know a lot of it was like who's going to be the top gun or whatever who's like the best in the class in that first one and in the, and in the second one even um and it, it could be a thing where you, you expand that out and it's sort of like the countries want to do some sort of uh you know, course to see who really has the best pilots, you know, and they're like doing something like that, but then there's some actual threat and they have to combine forces to go, you know, use the best fighters from all around the world to go solve something. Um, Yeah. That sounds absolutely like a, like a plot I would think they would go for. And you've got Ethan Hunt hanging off the side of the plane. That's right. (laughs) Hanging off the side. Oh man. And then you've got another Ethan Hunt driving a motorcycle straight into a hangar. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
It's the Matrix. (laughs) (laughs) All right, last up in our main stories, before we get to the lightning round with Carolina Reaper on the side, Mm. rumors are flying that DC Studios will begin their search for a Supergirl actress soon. In the mix for frontrunners, we have Millie Aycock of House of the Dragon, Amelia Jones from Coda and Lock and Key, and Meg Donnelly of the Zombies franchise and DC Animation, where she plays Supergirl. James Gunn and Peter Safran announced the Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow movie in 2022 based on the comics by Tom King. Since James didn't leave us high and dry this week, let's discuss. Who of these actresses have your vote, or is there someone else you'd like to see? Yeah, usually these shortlists that get reported by the trades are pretty much dead on usually that the three that they report that are reading it's usually going to be one of those three tell that to fantastic four (laughs) that's different that's different (laughs) nobody's reading for fantastic four if you're reading there's a pretty good chance that like they want it to be one of you one of those three um looking at this i thought there were a couple interesting things to come out of this there this news broke and one of the things that was talked about a lot online is that it never really got trending, which is odd for like a superhero casting thing. Like whenever Superman Legacy shortlists came out and people were talking about David Corrin Sweat and Nicholas Holt and some of these people that were reading for Superman, that was a trending topic for a while uh, on social media sites. But this didn't even crack the top 10. And it's a busy, it came out in a busy news week. There were politics, there were sports, there were other things going on. But still, I think it does speak to the DC brand needing a little bit of rejuvenation and needing to be a little bit more of a conversational, like in the public conversation, in the, in the, People want to talk about it. People want to tweet about it and all of that. And and so I wonder why that is on some level, like that that this casting did not really break a lot of front page news sites. But uh, mm. at the end of the day, zooming out on it, uh, this tells me that this character is probably going to show up in something else, which is something that the article said as well, uh, that they're probably planning on bringing this character in as maybe a small cameo or a post credits or something like that at some point before the actual Supergirl movie comes out, because that movie's a little bit down the road, but we've got other movies right around the corner, like Superman Legacy uh, is probably a likely place that you could see this character pop up if they're already casting uh, this person. Uh, As far as the three go, I I think all three would be good choices. Um, I don't really see any and immediately go like definitely not that person. Uh, I probably like Amelia Jones the best of the three just because I've seen her play a lot of different roles. But honestly, I I think all three are fine. I, I, I don't have a problem with any of them. But I do think the Sasha Kaye conversation is interesting too. That's kind of off to the side. And I feel like it's sort of hanging over this a little bit uh, because she played that character in The Flash. And I know that that's a different thing. But still, there was some insinuation at the time that maybe she would get to continue playing that role. So Mm. I think there is a little bit of a kind of something out there about that. Like, will she be involved in something else? Or uh, clearly she's not in the running for this role. So uh, I think it's an interesting conversation, but I would imagine that at some point we'll probably get that casting, even though that movie's way off, we'll probably get that casting sooner than later. What you said about it uh, being diminishing returns, is I, well, at least that's the way I'm seeing it. Like, the fact that this didn't trend at all just shows, like, I think it's another consequence of Gunn talking too much, as we've said over and over. I, I think he he gets out there and says things that not only confuse and, like, uh, disappoint fans or set expectations that are probably not good, but he also like just telling all this information all the time without a proper rollout. You're just, I don't know. I, who, and sometimes like you hear something from him. Yeah, they might be in the next movie. And then you find out they're not. It just, I think there's diminishing returns to everything James yeah. Gunn says. Like he's just getting less attention and less, uh, less trust with his audience. Yeah. I found the, the lack of, trendability for this story for lack of a better word there uh interesting because i didn't have that statistic but i did notice that the the conversation from my experience as like you know a citizen of the internet as i'm you know making my mm-hmm. rounds uh, be it on a, a youtube comment section or social media or whatever the conversation was dominated by a lot of like hey what about sasha kai which i think you know is a shame um obviously i she was great as supergirl and i'd I love for 
her to get more opportunities down the road if that's the case. But right now, I do think we need to focus on having a clean break, new characters, just set her eyes to the future and, and Superman legacy. And um, unfortunately for uh, the other part of the conversation that I did hone in on is I guess people are saying of the three, unfortunately, I'm not familiar with any of their work, but um, I, I did look all of them up and Jay just based on looks alone, Amelia Jones was kind of the one that I was like, okay, they dye her hair blonde. I could really see it. Or if they keep her as a brunette and they kind of want to appease those people that like Sasha Kaye, I could kind of see maybe she plays a version of that character. Uh, but my understanding is Meg Donnelly. She, you know, she has voiced the character in DC animation. The general conversation is that's just kind of a, they're placating her and just kind of like, you know, doing that to make people happy they gave her a chance they gave her a shot it's she's not really seriously being considered unfortunately is what, hmm. what i hear anyway that would be quite a uh, cool transition to hear about like this mm-hmm. person's been in dc animation as supergirl and they're getting their chance to do it in live action that'd be really neat yeah sometimes it does open up other opportunities too like nicholas holt read for clark kent he read for superman and he ended up not getting that part but it hmm. piqued the interest enough seemingly of james gunn to say well we got Lex Luthor to cast and you would be great in that role. So it can open up other conversations. I do think it is, it does feel out of order though, because they're talking about casting this person and there has not been an announced director for this Supergirl woman of tomorrow movie yet. So Mm -hmm. I think that's an interesting side plot too. Like you're going to, you're going to have to serve this up to a director and say, we want you to make this movie. It's in a universe and we already have your lead picked out. Uh, it's just it's just a, a piece of the conversation you're sort of potentially taking away from somebody, which seems like James Gunn has working good re- working relationships with the people that he wants to direct. But still, it seems like you'd want to be in on those conversations if you're directing this movie. Absolutely. Well, I guess uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to do our Spotify poll. I'm going to eat a Carolina Reaper. And then we're going to do our lightning round. Lots of fun stories coming up. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Multiverse News. I hope you're all doing well. Uh, I'm not about to be. Uh, well, for, before, but before we get to the Carolina Reaper of it all, let's talk about our Spotify poll from last week. Uh, I was not. I was not here. I was. I was. I was gone. Um, we we had we had to do Echo last week on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. We were podcasting every night. Uh, we were right here on Twitch actually. Um, so uh, we, you guys asked the people. Who was your favorite celebrity to meet? Uh, great question. And I love this first one we have in our, in our reactions here. Uh, Will Malik said, I met Jack Nicholson at a urinal at Dodger Stadium 10 years ago. I'll never forget the last words I heard him say. Anyone got a good Nicholson? Scotty? Anybody? I can try. I can't promise. <laughs> well, I had to piss like a racehorse. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't get it. You know, he kind of does good. that little raspy, low yeah. speak. Uh, Gotta breathe a lot, too. Breathy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. It's getting better as it goes. Like, the more yeah. you do it, the better it gets. You got to workshop it, yeah. He's warming up. <laughs> so so he apparently said well i had to well i had to piss like a racehorse um which is pretty pretty great way i feel like it's a perfect interaction with jack nicholson oh it's the most jack nicholson story you could have i feel yeah <laughs> it really is and he said uh no he did not wash his hands not to <laughs> blow up nick uh jack nicholson's spot but oh, oh maybe, maybe he could have had some purell you know maybe he had a little, <laughs> a little bit of purell on him um Isaiah Roseboom says definitely Keanu Reeves. I've heard nothing but nice things about that man. Oh yeah, he's uh he's the golden boy of the internet. I mean, he's he's always in videos like making people's wishes come true and showing up at comic shops and being like greeting kids and I mean, he could do no wrong. Yeah. Uh Keanu Reeves was also mentioned by Daniela Forrest uh said that Keanu Keanu Reeves during his John Wick 4 movie premiere. That's cool. How were you at the John Wick? Yeah, where was the invite? <laughs> yeah, how'd you get that invite? Like, we need to hear that whole story. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> Jason Oshenbrand, I don't. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, actually, I have no idea. Said Matt. Matt who? Does he mean me? <laughs> <laughs> that was my assumption. Was that he meant you? I'm it's saying Matt, Matt Damon. Damon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Haley. <laughs> you think? Well. I, yeah, I just assumed he'd mean one of the hosts if he's using a first name only, because I don't know if there's a famous Matt that has, like, the, the title Matt. But either way, <laughs> expound, Jason. I don't know who you mean. If you mean me, 
remind me where because I have def- I've only met a few <laughs> listeners if if we're being real like I've only met a few I've met like some of the hosts of the shows but I've I've only met like maybe five or six listeners ever crazy Koi says I saw Dante Bosco's panel at uh at a con he plays Zuko um in a uh, Last Airbender. Yeah. It was amazing, highly enjoyable. He had a jean jacket with a bunch of designs on it, including the blue spirits mask on his back. Um, I don't know enough about uh, <laughs> that show to know what that means. Prince Zuko is a fan favorite. So sweet. I'm excited about the live action version. I, I hope it captures it in a way that can communicate the the love of that show to me. RP Collins 1991 says I drank and or ate with Will Holland of Arrow, Funny Man from Hollywood Undead Vocalists, uh, or the Hollywood Undead Vocalist, and John Moyer, a Disturbs guitarist, all great people who spent time to get to know me and all meets were unplanned. That's really cool. That's a lot of random unplanned meets. Yeah. Or do you live in Vancouver or something? <laughs> yeah, I feel like... I, I always, you know, I work in Atlanta a lot these days, uh, playing shows and stuff. And now that Marvel's over there, I'm always hoping I'll bump into somebody. Like when I go out to whatever bars and restaurants, I'm always like, maybe, maybe, anybody? It's only a matter of time. Oh, yeah. That's going right. to happen someday. Someday. Uh, RJ says, uh, Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance. I thought that was a pretty cool one, too, because not only is he known for My Chemical Romance, but he's also a comic book creator. He works on uh, yeah. DC's uh, Young Animal imprint. Didn't he like have a hand in Umbrella Academy? Didn't he make that too? Uh, yeah, I think he's yeah. created or co-created. Or, yeah, he, yeah, he's involved somehow. I think that's awesome. I love My Chemical Romance. Like I know that other people think it's a cheesy, cheesy band, and I just love it like so much. I love, I love that band. Uh, Sonny Tetris says I sat in the front row speech for a the governor of Nebraska at work. That's <laughs> former that's governor cool. of Nebraska. <laughs> former <laughs> governor of Nebraska. That's uh, key information. That's very key information. <laughs> former governor. Uh, Grazi Second says Steve Carell. That's cool. I think yeah. that's a really cool one to meet. He seems like he'd be na- nice. Um, <laughs> Super Cody says didn't meet them, uh, but seeing the rock band Skillet in concert. That's cool. I've seen them in concert. They were good. <laughs> they were really good. That was many, many moons ago. Uh, okay. Well, uh, so is the show over now? Is this the end? <laughs> He's like, do we There's have 10 more Spotify poll answers? <laughs> I, yeah, y'all said we didn't have to read all the Spotify poll answers, but I felt compelled to do so. I noticed. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, my friends. Well, it's time. Uh, I'm gonna, you guys know what the lightning round, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat Reaper now. Here we go. <laughs> For those about to cry, we salute you. <laughs> Cheers! <laughs> oh my God, there it is. Oh, you were. Really, Why did I choose it so much? You really <laughs> went. You went oh, for it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I thought you were gonna. I thought crunchy. you were gonna nibble it like a squirrel. That's a lot squirrel. of chewing. That's a lot of chewing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm chewing it. But you just like went. Uh, I heard balls the deep crunch. <laughs> yeah. Oh. All right. Here we go. Here we go. You guys know the rules of the lightning round. <laughs> this is where I'm gonna say another story. And uh, you have to claim the story with your name by yelling out your name, and then you get to respond to that story. And uh, you get one one uh, response <laughs> for the entirety of the lightning round. Don't touch your eyes. Don't touch your eyes. Okay, starting to uh, just, just an update on the Carolina Reaper. My mouth is burning. Uh, my, my breath is shaking. And I'm sweating a little bit. And I just want to scratch my eyes. Do not touch your eyes. Because I know eyes. I shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> shouldn't shoot it so much. Here we go. <laughs> Danny Boyle and Alex Garland, the director and writer of the 2002 zombie horror film 28 Days Later, are reuniting for 28 Years Later, a sequel to the original. The pair are hoping to launch a trilogy of films set in this universe. Matt. Because I just... <laughs> I'm a masochist. <laughs> I really like 28 Days Later. They even did 28 Weeks Later, which was like kind of loosely connected. <sighs> but 28 <laughs> years later, I can't, I don't think it's, it hasn't been that long, right? I think it's been like 25 years. They're pretty close, but so not they're, they're going to probably hit yeah. it. Probably hit pretty close on it. That's really, really cool. I always yeah. wondered if they would do 28 months later. Um, but yeah, 28 weeks, 28 uh, years. I can't believe it's been that long. And that is such a cool thing. And 
you could set a trilogy of films in the 28th year easily and make that a really cool uh, thing. I dig it. Yeah, you could bring back some of the original talent if you wanted to. I mean, I don't know if Cillian Murphy's coming out to do that, but mm. yeah, you can you can probably get somebody to come out. Yeah, I'm gonna, that'd be I'm, rad. I'm going to do an early rebuttal and provide a PSA to remind you not to touch your eyes. And I'm also <laughs> going to address, we're going to be addressing a number of horror stories this week. So I want to encourage everybody to go check out Bill and Ashley's Terror Theater if yeah. you want you know, more insight into some of these stories that we're going to be discussing. Because I know they always hit the news um, whenever they do their reviews and, and the movies that they're talking about over there too. So check them out. Yes, absolutely. Bill and Ashley's Terror Theater. Uh, you can find the links at strandedpanda.com or just search it in whatever podcaster you're listening to this. It's hard to talk. Game of Thrones <laughs> creators David Benioff and Dan Weiss opened up for the first time about their canceled Star Wars movie in the cover story for last week's Hollywood Reporter, stating that the concept for the film dealt with the rise of the first Jedi and how the Jedi Order came to be. Haley, it's interesting that they were going to do this, and now it's basically what James Mangold's film is going to be. Um, the Dawn of the Jedi, I think, is what he's doing. And I did like the part where they said they were annoyed at Ryan Johnson for calling his movie The Last Jedi because they were going to do the first Jedi. <laughs> oh, man. That's cool. Okay. I was, when I started reading the story, some tiny butt, I was so hoping it was going to be David Benioff and Dan Weiss open up for the first time about what they were doing when they ended Game of Thrones. Like, what <laughs> were you thinking? Like, I want them to open up and tell me about their thought process. Um, because they were, thinking, they were like, the they Star were Wars, you guys. Yeah, Star they were Wars. too much about that Star Wars movie. <laughs> I think that's what Kathleen Kennedy wanted, too. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh, the Last of Us Season 2 has cast Beef star Young Mazzino as Jesse. The series is expected to start production soon. Isabel Merced has also been cast as Dina. Jay, uh, these seem like good castings to me. Uh, these are really important characters from The Last of Us 2, and I think will play some pretty pivotal roles in this upcoming season. I will say that Il Isabella Merced's agent deserves a raise. Uh, she is going to be in this series. She's also going to be Hot Girl in the DCU. Oh, yeah. So you're going to be seeing a lot of her in the coming uh, coming years here uh, in, uh, in some franchises. Girl. I thought you said hot girl, and I was like, that's so <laughs> <random>. <laughs> And why do you know that, Jay? <laughs> it's a little-known character, hot girl. <laughs> it's uh, like hot girl one, hot girl two. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say I'm not familiar with uh, Young Manzino, but, you know, Jay, you've been... You've talked about how great Beef is, so I definitely want to go back and check it out. But if anybody does want to check out uh, any previous work from Isabella, or said, uh, you can go check out the Dora, the Dora the Explorer live action movie they did. And believe me, <laughs> I, I didn't have any expectations for this whatsoever, but the trailer was so good. It is actually one of those rare exceptions where it's super meta. It knows what it is. It's fun for hmm. kids and adults. And I actually like, you know, it's, it's pretty throwaway, but it's, if you need, you know, uh, a movie just to check out with like the kids or the older kids or something like that. I'd highly recommend it. Hmm. Barbie um, and Shang-Chi star Simu Liu will host the 2024 People's Choice Awards, which will air live on NBC E and Peacock on February 18th. Haley, I love Simu so much. And he came out swinging and got all the Swifties on his side by saying that there would be no Taylor Swift jokes in his monologue because <laughs> he's smart. <laughs> <laughs> that is clever. It's really clever. You know, I feel like I'm not. I was going to say, I'm kind of impressed by you're how really well you're handling, handling it extremely yeah. well. There's a little left. <laughs> wow. Well, oh <laughs> there were a lot bold. of seeds. There were a lot of seeds in there. This one's going to be rougher. Oh, no. You ever heard the story go. of Icarus, how he flew too close to the sun? <laughs> oh, my wings is melting. My wings is melting. <laughs> He's going to be sitting there snacking on him tonight, just like, you know <laughs> yeah. what? I kind of like, I'm kind of in on, on It this. leaves a real nice aftertaste. <laughs> I'm kind of digging him. Chopping it up, putting it in his salsa. <laughs> no, I, so I kind of freaked myself out because I, I bought some Carolina Reaper salsa a little bit before we did the bet. And it was sitting in my cabinet for a while, and I finally opened it up, and it destroys me. Like, I cannot <laughs> eat this salsa. So I was really worried that this would be really bad, but eh, I'm okay. Um. <clears throat> okay, I said, said that. I said that. <laughs> so it got stuck in my teeth, and that's not good. 
<laughs> but if I try to wiggle it out, I'm just getting it on my tongue. It's it's not a good situation. Uh, direct director director. Hmm. <laughs> Director David Gordon Green, who was initially set to direct a sequel to last year's Exorcist Believer, titled Exorcist Deceiver, has exited the project. Universal originally planned for the film to hit theaters on April 18th, 2025, but the timetable is now unclear as the studio searches for a new director. Scotty, uh, I, I think this is the right move uh, for everybody involved. I did see Exorcist Believer, and uh, you know it wasn't terrible, terrible, but uh, it it just wasn't great. And David Gordon Green, I feel like in the realm of horror, it's been diminishing returns. He had you know the Halloween uh, soft reboot, you know trilogy there that just like uh, one after the other, the movies were just worse and worse and worse. And David Gordon Green is actually a guy who kind of like got his start in comedy. So I would actually like to see him like take a break from horror, kind of go back to his roots, uh, try some different things. Like he's got righteous gemstones to work on. Uh, mm. I would actually really like, um, I, I think about potential stuff for him to work on. Like if he could pair up with James Gunn and work on like a booster gold series with Jody Hill and, you know, Ooh. some of the guys he's used to working with, I think, I think that'd be great. And then, uh, as far as this like Exorcist trilogy goes, I, I don't even really need them to find a replacement director. <laughs> but if if they do, uh, you know, maybe I'll give it a shot. But at, at this point, that 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 trilogy seems dead on arrival to me. Mm. Uh, Noah Hawley, showrunner of Ev- I think this was mostly a setup due to burning of the tongue. Noah Hawley, the shooter. <laughs> Noah Hawley. Mm. <laughs> Do the Jack Nicholson thing again. <laughs> <laughs> Noah Hawley. Um, sounds like it helps. <laughs> yeah, maybe the spicy helps the, my Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Noah Hawley, the showrunner for the upcoming FX series Alien, revealed in an interview that the series is set to... <laughs> you delved into Wilson Fisk, but that's okay. Yeah. You've been doing a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we were, we were talking earlier, they were saying yours got better each time. My impressions sometimes start out spot on and just drift. They never <laughs> land and stay. I, I'm a really bad with my drifting. Okay. <clears throat> See, I feel, normally I edit these kind of flubs out, but I feel like it's part of it tonight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's oh, all yeah. part of the experience. Absolutely. <laughs> Here we go. It is burning so much worse after that second bite. <laughs> that second bite was a terrible idea. Well, good on you for up in the ante. I, I, yeah, I, I didn't want to disappoint. I didn't want to disappoint. Okay, <clears throat> Noah Hawley, the showrunner of the upcoming FX series Alien, revealed in an interview that the series is set on Earth approximately 70 years in the future, preceding the events of the original film series. Despite discussions with Ridley Scott, Hawley explained that he won't incorporate the backstory from Prometheus and Alien Covenant into the series, expressing a preference for the original film's retro-futuristic technology over the more advanced tech featured in the prequels. Scotty, yeah, you mentioned Noah Hawley. You're going to get a response from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of this sounds really great, and we've actually been talking a lot about soft reboots on this episode, and this this kind of sounds the same to me. We're ignoring the events of Prometheus and Alien Covenant, which, you know, those movies were, were fine to me. I like Prometheus a little bit more, but Ridley Scott's a really interesting filmmaker because he's made, like, a number of, like, iconic films like Alien, like Blade Runner, Gladiator, uh, and I, I can't really think of any other director really comes to mind that has such like an up and down like filmography like he's had some that just don't land but I, I do think him taking a break from the Alien franchise and letting some other creatives like Noah Hawley especially like we've, we've seen it with all five seasons of Fargo he did it on Legion like this this talking about um, a return to like retro futuristic technology especially with some of like the production design we saw on Legion that really excites me but also on the, the other side of the Alien franchise we currently have Fetty Alvarez working on a, a film that's like independent from what uh, Ridley Scott was doing on uh, Prometheus and Alien Covenant as well. So uh, I, I'm really excited for the future of the Alien franchise, and it sounds like uh, you know Ridley Scott's on board. He's he's cooperating with Noah Hawley. He's cooperating with Fetty Alvarez. So I think everybody wins here. Yeah, I gotta jump in and just say Fargo is so good. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, me, me and Jay Scotty are covering Fargo over on Pandavision right now, and um. I, I just think I'm so excited for this Alien series because Fargo is blowing me away every week. And mm-hmm. so I am really, really excited for anything he wants to do in the future. Um, you know me. I don't like soft reboots. 
Rewboats. Rewboats. It was worth. It was rewboats. I said rewboats. Um, okay. Mm. You get. You can't get it stuck in your teeth. You got to get it moving. If it's stuck in your teeth, it's not a good thing. I don't like soft reboots, but like I trust Noah Holly so much. Like I don't care what he's gonna do. He can. I can. I can justify anything he's doing with headcanon and make it happen. I'm. I'm down. I'm really excited for this. For sure. The Bear and Beef dominated the 2023 Emmy Awards with The Bear securing six wins, including Best Comedy Series, while Beef claimed eight awards, including Best Limited or Anthology Series or Movie and Best Actor and Actress in a Limited or Anthology Series or Movie. (laughs) (laughs) Haley? Yeah. (laughs) It burns so much. (laughs) Oh, burn. That story burned. The shows that you mentioned have been kind of scooping all the awards in all the awards shows lately, including Critics' Choice and Emmys, which were both yesterday or recently. It's crazy how many awards shows there actually are. Um, And then for the film side, Oppenheimer, Killers, The Holdovers actually did really well at Critics' Choice, which Scotty and I are fans of The Holdovers, so go check Mm -hmm. that out. Um, But it's going to be really interesting leading up to the Oscars. Mostly it's been about the same spread, but some of the acting categories have been changing it up here and there, so it's anyone's game still. Tiny butt. I watched The Bear this week, the whole series. (laughs) Because <laughs> it's not that long. A lot of the episodes are less than 30 minutes, and it, it, it's only 20 episodes, so it breezes through. Uh, Jessica Mai just said in, in the chat, I'm really trying to give the bear a shot, uh, but it's stressing me the F out. And <laughs> I agree with her. Yes. I don't think it's a comedy. Like I said, best comedy. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it's funny. There are funny moments, but it's comedy in the midst of terrible stress and drama and grief and like all kinds of stuff the show deals with. It's a great show. I don't know why it won Best Comedy, though. It's really, really, it's really great. It's always been listed as a comedy, and all the clips I see are of people screaming at each other. So I don't mm-hmm. know why either, but I guess in their eyes it is. Yeah, definitely not a comedy, as a Waterfall Angel agrees with me. <laughs> um, Tatiana Mislani, my love, uh, was asked on a Twitch stream about the possibility of a season two of She-Hulk. Mislani replied, I don't think so. I think we blew our budget, and Disney was like, no thanks. <laughs> Jay, um, I liked She-Hulk, uh, but she's right. They did blow their budget. This show was over $200 million to make, uh, and mm. they spent like a half the budget on one episode. So uh, mm. they're not wrong about that statement, but I, I, I would like to see uh, a season two of that show because it was fun and it was different, and I liked the fact that you just didn't know what to expect every week, and it could just do whatever it wanted to do, and I thought that that's what made it fun. But uh, I think we'll see the character again, just maybe mm-hmm. not on Disney+. Plus. I, I hope that's right. I, I never knew they were doing a series, too. I just hope we see the character show up in something else yeah. somewhere. Yeah. You mean, like, not on a TV show, Jay? Right, right. I, I like, was like, well, where yeah. else would it be but Disney+. Plus? <laughs> like on a movie or, yeah. or something like that. would eventually be on Disney+. Plus. Sure. Okay, I, got you. <laughs> I was like, what? Are you saying they're going to write her off completely? <laughs> It's like it's like let's go back to the defenders conversation. We're just going to ignore I the know stuff. I the incels <laughs> would like that, but no. <laughs> uh, Lawrence Fishburne uh, has joined the cast of season four of The Witcher in the role of Regis, a fan favorite character from The Witcher books and games. Scotty, I have not read The Witcher books, but I have played The Witcher three game, and I do not recognize the character of Regis. So I will just have to. Uh, you know, trust that he is truly a fan favorite. And, you know, Lawrence Fishburne, he brings a lot of gravitas and a lot of uh, credibility with him. He uh, has appeared in so many of our favorite franchises. I think it's a good move for The Witcher, especially considering that fourth season is going to be the first without uh, Henry Cavill's going to have Liam Hemsworth Mm. in the role. So I think they need to do everything they can to kind of bolster him with a uh, pretty talented cast. Mm. Rumor has it Lucasfilm may be looking to give the what-if treatment to star wars Haley, i like this idea as long as they actually just do what if things instead of making it some kind of connected thing like marvel did in their what if series which hmm. i just didn't really like about this season um but there could be really some cool stories not just what if so and so fell to the dark side or the light side there's like some minutiae within star wars that would be fun to see a what if this situation was slightly different that i would be down for Scotty with a rebuttal. 
my take on visions has always been that it feels like what if already, but they're just more willing to embrace like different art styles. So my reaction is a little different. Like, I don't know if I really want to see like a watered down version of visions. Like if anything, I would rather mm-hmm. see Marvel's what if take inspiration from visions. Um, yeah. but I, I have, it has to be based on viewership numbers here. And I, I can understand how being connected to the Marvel cinematic universe and having a consistent visual style might appeal to a, a broader audience. Whereas, you know, um, an animation fan like me, like we relish having, you know, the opportunity to have eight different studios all play in this playground that, that we love so much. Yeah, absolutely. Comic book writer Jason Aaron announced on Instagram he will be writing a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic series during the 40th anniversary of the characters. Haley, Jason Aaron is best known for his Thor work over at Marvel. Uh, he created the character of Jane Foster, the Mighty Thor. But um, Jason Aaron also loves to be metal as hell in his comics. And I'm thinking of a specific one that I read um, where there's like a monster truck and one of the gods is driving it. And I think they're in hell <laughs> or they're in one of the other realms like that. And it's like, it's wild, crazy shit. So I, I expect some wild, crazy Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stuff from him that would be really fun to read. That sounds great. Alex Winter claimed Bill and Ted 4. Uh, will get written during a guest appearance of Sarah O'Connell on the Sarah O'Connell show. Uh, the titular Bill actor uh, didn't provide any concrete details, but reinforced the passion the writing team has for the future of the time-hopping franchise. I, I'll, I'll mat I'll mat this one, um, if nothing else, just to talk more with this Reaper in my mouth. <laughs> I uh, I really enjoyed the return the the I don't remember the name of it but then the newer Bill and Ted uh, reboot re- soft reboot it wasn't a reboot it was a the third one in the series um, but uh, I really really enjoyed it I don't know where you go from there though it feels very much like that was an ending and a passing of the torch and all that kind of stuff it doesn't really feel like there's much more legs on that franchise I. Uh, it kind of alluded to possibly passing the torch to their daughters in the film, but I don't even think that's necessarily a good idea. I think the series has kind of run its course. I don't know about a fourth. And Alex Winter, I don't think is do, is as busy as Keanu Reeves is. Exactly. Um, right. So I, it, it feels like Alex Winter's like, yeah, me and Keanu, we're going to do another one. And it's like, is, is Keanu, didn't, does he know that? So I don't know. Nev Campbell is open to returning to the Scream franchise for the seventh film, despite the production losing its director and two leading ladies. Campbell (laughs) expressed her love for the franchise and willingness to participate given the right circumstances, i.e. money, citing her previous concerns about treatment during negotiations. Scotty. So the IE money, that cynic response, that's not incorrect. Certainly she has been done wrong by the franchise and this is their opportunity to say, Hey, you need me back. You want me back. You better pay up. But like, I want to, I want to paint the full picture because these quotes actually came from like a video interview. And if you take the time to like watch the interview video interview and see her emotion, like when she says she's sad about the state of the franchise, she means that it was very heartfelt. So when she talks about this franchise doing the right thing and that's what it's going to take for her to come back, I don't think that necessarily means just money. I think that could mean the full package. You might see her returning. You might see her make them bring Melissa Barrera and Jen Ortega back if they even want to, or they're going to have to do something to make it right there. That, that was the, the sentiment that I got from her statement when she said, make it right. So uh, yeah, Scream is a franchise that I love, but it's definitely in a, a very dire spot right now and they need everything that they can to, again, I'm going to use this word again, to bolster themselves. And uh, the inclusion of Nev Campbell, I, uh, hopefully that can do it. Hopefully everybody's response is not like, you know, one of rolling eyes and saying like too little, too late. You should have, you should have brought her back sooner. We will mm. see. That's cool. That's cool. I am. Uh, I'm interested in that for sure. Well, um, that's the end of the podcast. We did all the news, but I did miss these two seeds. Wow, man, you're a champ. <laughs> He's like, addicted. Did we get like any kind of evidence? Can we see a receipt that you actually got Carolina Reapers? Because like I'm dubious at this point. I'm trying to chew on the stick here. I'm gonna chew on the stem. Mm. Um, we've no, created I, I, a monster. I got that yeah. reaper fully going <laughs> right there. Day. Somehow. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was prepared. I did not know how this would go. I had sour cream on hand. You did. You did. It's, it's snowing, so I couldn't get milk. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Tell the people where they can find you online, guys. Oh, those seeds burning. Burning good. <laughs> burning good. Uh, J. Scotty St. Clair, where can the people find you online? Yeah, check me out over on Animation Deliberation. It's the podcast that takes action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. And I know uh, we're going to continue our coverage for Fargo Season 5 on Pandavision. And then, uh, you know, plans are just starting to come together on Bingers Assemble for all the awards contenders that are just around the corner here. Mm-hmm. Oscar time, baby. Um, Haley Hobbs, where can people find you online? You can find me over at Source Pages, where we read novels and comics as primers for all the geeky TV shows and movies we love. But not next week. We're talking about Path of Destruction, which is a Star Wars Legends novel. Ooh. And Jay Sisson, where can people find you online? Yeah, you can find me at Commute the Podcast, where me and my co-host go over three interesting topics in 20 minutes or less. So come hang out with us on your commute to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yes, please check out all of those podcasts. Uh, I am starting to feel the pepper in my stomach now, <laughs> and it is not pleasant. Uh, it's worse than the mouth, I think. I'm starting to like feel tightness, you know? Like, it's, 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 it's going to be a problem. This is going to be rough tonight. I hope you guys have a better night than I'm going to. And if you want to see more content like this, or just our regular weekly show that we work really hard on, where we don't always eat peppers, go to patreon.com slash multiverse newscast. That's where uh, you can support the show. We've been getting a lot of new patrons over there. Thank you so much. Every week, there's a couple people that go over there and subscribe. So thank you, thank you, thank you. It really means the world. Um, and it, you know, it's we're still a brand new show, still trying to grow this thing and make it a thing. So uh, it it really takes a lot more work and effort um, than than some shows I've recorded on. So like, uh, I, please help us out. Uh, Patreon.com/slash/multiverse newscast, and uh, we'll be back next week. Peace. You stay classy, multiverse.